That's right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast. My name is Cameron Harn, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest recording this intro with us today. It's my three-month-old baby girl, Madison Harn. So if you hear any coos or cries, that's her. She's putting in her two cents on this recording. Um, but for real, today, I'm excited to welcome to the show Sevi Mangrum. Sevi is a personal trainer out in Marina Del Rey, where he trains the majority of his clients at a park, so you know they're getting plenty of vitamin D and sunshine. sunshine. Sevi started his career as a personal trainer in Chicago with Equinox, then decided to move over to Los Angeles and train at the Equinox in Marina Del Rey, where he worked there for several years, and now he's independent doing his own thing and affecting the lives of many more people around him. Uh, in our conversation, we talk about Sevi's career as a dancer. We talk about the adversities that he faced growing up, lessons that he's learned from his parents, herbal remedies that kind of helped him deal with uh, the things from his past and have enlightened him in understanding that every moment that we go through is fleeting. Whether it's a good moment or a bad moment, it is fleeting and how to embrace those moments. And finally, wrapped up in this whole conversation, you get a sense of Sevi's authenticity and how he brings that to each training session, to everybody he comes into contact with. He's a truly authentic guy, and it was such a pleasure having this conversation with him. So please enjoy, everybody, this episode with Sevi Mangrum. Savvy Mangrum, everybody. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself today. Yes. So I am a fitness and health coach uh, based in Los Angeles, California, originally from Chicago. Uh, I just recently branched off uh, from Equinox and have started my own practice uh, here on the west side of L.A., uh, kind of geared towards, uh, you know, all realms of uh, fitness from weight loss, um, strength development, circular strength training, core strength, post-rehabilitative, uh, still a little bit of everything. It's kind of wide variety, but the uh, basis of my skill set is in core strength, postural training, uh, you know, just getting people being uh, better movers and developing, you know, functional strength as opposed to, you know, the kind of, you know, traditional strength training that uh, I think people are starting to kind of shift gears away from. Not that that's not still something prevalent, but um, so, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell with, of course, you know, nutritional and behavioral coaching um, as well. Yeah, very cool. And what I love is we're here in uh, a park in Culver City, and this is where you train the, like all of your clients, right? Yeah, just about uh, this and uh, Mother's Beach in Marina Del Rey. So these two outdoor. i got a little park location and beach location. Okay. So. Is there any reason why you wanted to do a park? Um, you know, really it was to, to get the, you know, the feel of like kind of being in a community and being somewhere that, uh, now that I, you know, don't have the community of Equinox is getting around other people. So having other people's energy around, uh, and the beach originally was where I was training some clientele while still at Equinox. Um, so I'd like to have that, uh, diversity of having the sand and the grass as a, um, kind of a tactile response to, um, you know, to connect with. So, yeah, I mean, plus, I mean, how many people spend so many, so much of their lives indoors and then can finally make it outside? You know, I mean, you get to give something to people that they don't get 
all the time. Absolutely, especially at a, at a gym, right? Because you're you're you know still repeating that same pattern of uh, you know lack of vitamin D and you know n- you know lack of connection to nature, which is a huge component to you know overall health and wellness. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so tell me the story of how you went from Chicago to California. Yes, yeah, so I uh, worked for Equinox uh, in Chicago, which is where I started my uh, fitness and health career. Uh, and after two years of being there uh, at, at Equinox, I always had a desire and, you know, was, there was an allure to being in California. Originally, it, the idea was San Francisco because I had a much closer connection to San Francisco than L.A. Um, but what had happened was there was a, a new Equinox that was going to be opening in Los Angeles. And I had a few friends that were out here that were you know, kind of trying to talk me into coming out here. And I thought to myself, well, you know, weather's a little bit nicer. Uh, this, it's the Mecca in terms of fit, fitness and health. And it just made sense. And I knew that if I was going to be out here, I needed to be close by the beach. And the location just happened to be Marina Del Rey. So it was, you know, just kind of the perfect meshing of reasons why to to make make my way out here and yeah then they presented me with the opportunity to be one of the head trainers to open the gym and uh yeah the rest is history okay now that was through equinox were you hesitant to move out to california were you i mean you're leaving everything behind that you knew before uh what was that transition like for you yeah absolutely definitely a little bit hesitant um you know, it's if for anyone that's been to Chicago or been to, you know, a city in the Midwest or the East Coast and spent any time in L.A., they're two totally different beasts. Um, you know, obviously, the traffic and the driving element is a huge thing. I never had never owned a car prior to moving out here. You know, took the public transportation in Chicago. Uh, so that was a huge adjustment that, you know, I didn't ideally want to want to have to take but living in los angeles you have to have a car there's no choice <laughs> you know um so you know i was a little hesitant there uh and of course you know all my you know closest family and friends were in chicago and um all my clientele you know had to start fresh uh that was a huge component um and then there's also a a bit of a um, how can I say, cultural difference in regards to the demeanor of people as well. Uh, Chicago's a very uh, straightforward kind of city. You kind of get it like it is. There's no, you don't get a lot of, you know, no nonsense, no bullshit kind of attitude with still the kindness of the Midwest, whereas like New York people are a little bit of, you know, abrasive and, you know, a little too rough around the edges. Chicago folk are, you know, you know, really wanting you to, you know, love it. If you're visiting, they want you to have the best time possible. Oh, they, cool. you know, they want you they want to show you that Midwestern hospitality. You know, it doesn't just go for the South. You know, there is a Midwestern kindness and salt of the earth kind of attitude. And, you know, whereas L.A., and this is a generalization, but it's a little bit like aloof, a little bit kind of like head in the clouds, um, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, out for themselves, what can you do for me kind of attitude, um, which there is a lot of that out here. Um, but then there's a lot of gems, of course, as well, because there's people that come from other places. Uh, so that was a tough adjustment as well. Uh, so I think those are the two big things is like the, the layout, um, geographical, of, you know, this, how spread out the city was. And then, of course, the kind of attitude and demeanor as well of the city. So, okay. Yeah. You came out here 
from Equinox to help open up a gym. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your backstory with Equinox and why you decided to transition out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got started with Equinox back in it was about 2010. Um, a close buddy of mine was working there, and uh, he you know, had me come in to do some training sessions with him uh, in exchange for some sneakers, because uh, at the time I was doing uh, working some retail. And uh, shout out to uh, Ilan Lozano. He uh, he hooked it up and uh, got me first introduced to Equinox. Um, and yeah, that was a it was a great experience and got to learn from a lot of really heavy hitters uh, in the industry within Equinox. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was you know it was a great start. And then the transition out here was you know really smooth. And you know Equinox did a really awesome job at. Uh, you know, helping me with the transition and then providing me, of course, with, you know, uh, endless amount of clientele opening up the new gym in Marina Del Rey, which was, you know, fantastic in terms of making the transition and making myself uh, financially secure from the very beginning. So that was good uh, and allowed for me to really build up a great network uh, out here. Um, and yeah, throughout that time, you know, I was introduced to so many other fitness and health professionals. Um, that were doing things at a very high level, uh, from Mike Fitch that developed uh, Animal Flow to oh, Michelle nice. Dolcourt who developed the Viper. Um, I mean, I can go on and on to all the different uh, mentors of mine, which I've, you know, still, you know, are am closely connected with those guys and have gone through all of their curriculum and uh, have implemented their strategies and philosophies with my training, uh, which has allowed for me to, you know, really take that step away from Equinox to, you know, take what I've learned from them and with my own, you know, background and to, you know, facilitate this, this new venture that, uh, that I'm on right now and just, uh, you know, only very much so in the early stages of. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really awesome ride and, re you know, really grateful, uh, you know, to Equinox for, for all that they provided. Uh, and I, I definitely think that I wouldn't be the trainer that I am today if it weren't for them and their, their continued education that they put into their trainers. And it makes them who they are, you know. Yeah, so. definitely. What were some of the big, um, the big principles or big takeaways that you had that Equinox gave you to feel confident to go on your own and start doing training independently? Um, I think that uh, a big piece of that was um, just the, and, and I, I had a thirst for knowledge already, but they present to you so much stuff that you're just like, what? The, like, I'd never even heard of that before, you know? And even though I thought I knew some things, you realize the more you educate yourself that you don't know shit. And Equinox, totally. yeah, it is. Equinox provides so much education. Um, so that was a, a really big piece. And I think for me as well is that I didn't really ask Equinox for a lot. Like I really was able to get a lot of referrals on my own and my retention was extremely high. So it wasn't as if, you know, I had a, clients that would come and train with me for, you know, six months and then they would leave, you know, I like retained, I mean, I have clients, I have six clients that have been with me from the moment that I got to Los Angeles that are still training with me now. And, you know, and, and they had, you know, I presented them with the opportunity to stay at Equinox when I knew that I was leaving and every single client joined me. Uh, so, 
uh, I think that my loyalty to my own self-development within the fitness and health industry was very alluring to my clients to you know stick with me uh, throughout. So I knew that I, I had something that um, gave me the confidence to make the transition. And a lot of that was based in the you know, provided uh, education that Equinox gave. Uh, so I think that was probably the biggest, the biggest takeaway and that I didn't need Equinox to learn what else was out there. You know, I, from meeting, you know, all these different people and all these innovators and pioneers, I was able to then expand my network. So how did your clients do with the transition from Equinox to training at a park right now? Um, yeah, you know, most of them were you know, pretty, pretty gung ho. Um, it helped that I stayed in the area. I didn't shift far away from Marina. I mean, stayed right in Marina Del Rey and Culver City, Mar Vista area. Um, you know, I had a few that were, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, not to name any names just in case they end up listening, but you know, we're a little bit, uh, apprehensive, especially because we got a lot of rain this year in January and February. Yeah. So, I mean, I jumped right into the, the challenge of, of facing some obstacles of weather which obviously as you know being uh, you know from southern california we don't get a lot of rain out here so that was pretty challenging uh you know to to face that um so a few of them had a, had a bit of a hard time and now we're shifting into summer and it's been we've had some humid weather over the last you know week or so uh, but otherwise you know it's all the stuff that i implemented in my training at Equinox, I implement out here, you know, not using a lot of machines and a lot of fixed uh, plane motion. You know, we do a lot of uh, functional training and we use a lot of tools that, you know, you don't need to have uh, a gym for. You know, I carry all my own stuff with me. Um, and I think uh, I think people really like that a lot. You know, they're not they're not stuck. They don't feel stuck to a, a box. Yeah. And uh, and that's a lot of fun. And they you know have enjoyed connecting with, you know, nature and being you know granted it's a park and it's not you know out on a hike. But uh, you know you still get uh, fresh air. You get the grass. You get the sands. Um, so people really have uh, have taken to it. And I don't. Not a lot of people have even mentioned word of being like, oh, so do you have any plans on opening your own gym or you know uh, renting space out? of a gym which is which is really cool yeah. yeah that's what you would think that they'd want to do is go into you know go back into a box because that's what everybody's mm -hmm. used to right training in a box no training with weights and stuff but you're doing just fine without that right now absolutely were yeah you, were you ever intimidated leaving equinox of course absolutely uh, you know there's always a little bit of apprehension and, and there still are the challenges only seven eight months into this new adventure um you know, how do I build up clientele? You know, um, how do I, you know, I don't, I don't have a pool to pull from anymore like I did with all the incoming membership at Equinox. Um, you know, no community other than the community that I create, you know. So even having that um, connection there of being an Equinox, you have people around you so you feel like you get your, uh, if you're someone that's introverted like I can tend to be, um, you get your bit of extroversion and you get your, you know, connection to people by just being there, even if you're not communicating with a lot of members outside of your clientele or even your uh, coworkers, which was very much so the reputation that I built up at uh, Equinox uh, was the, the guy that didn't really talk very much, just came in, handled <laughs> his business and, and left. Uh, and if anyone's listening, it's not that I didn't like you guys, you know, I just handling, handling my business, you know, being professional. Yeah. So... So what do you owe to your ability to retain clients? 
Uh, I think it's my uh, authenticity uh, and it's my uh, communication skills and uh, my desire of going deeper in my education and providing a continuously better service to my clientele week in and week out. You know, I'm always trying to get better. Uh, and, and I keep it, I keep it very real with my clients. You know, I don't just say, Hey, you know, you did a good job. If they didn't, you know, if they're struggling, I, you know, and there it's due to their own lack of, you know, work prior, you know, I let them know, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't sugarcoat anything. I, you know, really, uh, adhere to being as, uh, upfront and honest with my clientele as much as possible. Um, I don't just tell them what they want to hear. So I think that's a, a big um, principle to, you know, and uh, point to, as to my retention is, uh, yeah, those, those, those pieces. Could you take me through a conversation that you'd have with one of your clients? Um, how would it go? How are you authentic with them? How would you keep it real or... Um, just be honest with them. Are there any, can you give me any like instances where maybe they were doubting themselves, maybe they weren't doing the homework or something like that as much as you wanted them to? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, oftentimes, and this comes with the, happens with a lot of clientele is that, you know, when they're left up to their own devices, oftentimes they, you know, slack off a little bit or they don't follow through with their certain protocols. Um, so, you know, someone will come in and, uh, you know, they'll, you know, they'll say like, oh, you know, it's like my, my feet are really bothering me a lot. Uh, you know, I, I find that, you know, like my balance isn't really on point and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll complain about maybe some like nagging thing that they have going on. And so then of course I ask, well, you know, did you do your soft tissue work? Did you do your foam rolling? Did you do your dynamic warmups as we call them our non-negotiables? Uh, so the things that they need to do on their in-between days. Uh, and then oftentimes, you know, they'll say, oh no, I didn't, you know, didn't use the lacrosse ball on my feet. And then I, so I'll, you know, I'll tell them, Hey, listen, you know, if you want to be pain-free, right, is that is often the most, you know, important priority and goal of a clientele, you know, clientele that has any pain is that you have to do the in-between work. So, you know, what I'll do is I'll say, you know, like, listen, if, you know, it's not that I'm going to punish you, but I'm not going to tell you, oh, well, you know, that's, you know, that you're just, you know, that's just how it is. You, you know, you didn't do it and, and that's fine. You know, you'll get it next time. But it's like, no, listen, it's like you have to get this done. If you want to really see the results, you got to make sure that you're implementing this every single day. So now what strategies do we need to do to set up to make it so that, you know, you get that done? Do we get you a whiteboard and write, you know, on the whiteboard soft tissue work every single day, you know, so that when you wake up in the morning, you look at that board that's a friendly reminder. So it's not about punishment. It's about taking the, you know, um, you know, lack of practice or the, you know, missing of, of whatever the protocol is and then making it so that it's something that's a little bit more prevalent and kind of top of mind, right? Because it's what I talk to a lot of clientele is about carry through, right? Once you do one good behavior, it oftentimes then carries over into another good behavior and then that just starts to snowball, right? So that's kind of my way of being authentic with them is that I just don't let them get away with, you know, not doing something because I know that when you miss one thing, then it shows up in other areas, not just in your fitness and health, but in your life in general. Um, so I think that's a, you know, it's kind of a, a very prevalent example of, of that. Absolutely. Can you remember a moment when a client finally got it? Um, God, there's been so many of them. Um, 
you know, I think one of the one of the great moments is a a client a client that I had of mine back in Chicago uh, was an older gentleman um, that uh, was new to fitness and health, and you know hadn't really had any um, you know protocol or training or coaching that he'd ever. Um, you know, gone through in the past until he came to see me. Uh, and so for the longest time, my big thing with him was because he was so immobile and tight was getting him to get on the foam roller. Right. And so it took him some, you know, a while because he just wasn't comfortable with being on the ground and getting up and down off the ground. And so we implemented strategies that teach him how to get down to the ground and how to get up off the ground, which then carried over to him being comfortable with getting on the foam roller. And then once he got comfortable with that, he got comfortable with learning how to kind of maneuver his body and get on the foam roller and start to loosen up and create some good blood flow in his muscles. And after he got that, then he got one of the greatest things ever for him, which seems so simple to us, but he was able to put his pants on and his underwear on without having to sit down. And to him, that was such a big accomplishment. You know, it was such a simple thing that we take for granted, especially, you know, us, you know, 30 and under, you know, us, you know, young folks. Um, But it was like so big. And it was just like seeing the smile on his face when he came in. He said to me, Sebi, you won't believe it. You know, I was able to finally get my pants and underwear on without having to sit down. And that was just like the greatest thing thing to me is just that that big smirk on his face um and that was kind of also another example of carryover right it's just like learning how to get down and up up and off the ground which builds up confidence and then gets you know confidence to okay now i can kind of maneuver myself on this strange tool that i've never used before and um yeah and then you know the goal of you know being able to put your you know pants on without having to sit down was accomplished and then it was like oh okay if i can do that wow so many more things are possible yeah so So. many more things i mean i i feel like i take that for granted now i'm like holy cow i never really appreciate being able to just wake up and put my pants Pants on on. yeah right and you know you know as long as we keep doing what we do it'll be you know something that'll be some you know an afterthought but as we get older we'll you know say oh okay you know, like, wow, I see how this can be a little bit more difficult. Um, so is being a trainer something that you've seen yourself? Is it something that you've seen yourself do from the age when you were a little kid? Uh, no, definitely not. Um, you know, I've always been someone that was active, uh, you know, quite a bit, you know, just, you know, being a kid with a lot of energy and, uh, growing up, uh, playing sports, um, and, you know, all that, but uh, that's a very that's a that's a deep question that really that really gets into it um, in terms of my my deeper story outside of fitness and health. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, there's, there's so much to that. It it came um, much further after as I got into college and uh, you know went into this very deep self developmental work uh, since the age of fourteen. Um, that really kind of got me on this path of, of self-awareness, self-development and kind of seeing what's capable, um, in terms of the human experience. Um, so yeah, it wasn't something that I imagined doing when I was younger. You know, I always wanted to, I had a dream of playing in the NBA when I was a kid, but like no desire to be a coach really. Yeah. Uh, growing up in Chicago in the, you know, nineties, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's an easy dream to, you know, yeah. be pulled towards, you know, with Michael Jordan, the Bulls. Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a, uh, you know, a thing that came to me after many, many years of, of my own, uh, 
education and development. Uh, so not not till after college really was when I uh, foresaw you know fitness and health and coaching. Mm-hmm. What was the moment that kind of propelled you into fitness and coaching? Uh, I think that moment was uh, when I graduated from college and got my degree in communication and business. Uh, and then I didn't know what the hell I was going to do after graduating from college. I knew that I wanted to use my communication and business skills. I knew that I didn't want to... Nothing to do with fitness. <laughs> Nothing to do with fitness, no. I mean, well, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to have, if you want to be an effective trainer and coach, you have to have some level of communication skill. And if you want to, you know, have a business, you have to, you know, have some business acumen uh you know, uh, to help guide you and be kind of a a foundation. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, coming back from traveling through Europe after I graduated from college, not knowing what the hell I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to, uh, give back and and make some bit of a difference in people's lives. I don't want to just work in a cubicle and make some big company, a bunch of money that was, uh, you know, I'd rather not live at all than do that. Um, so, uh, you know, having the active lifestyle that I did. Um, and, uh, you know, I had prior to that was dancing professionally from 16 to 21. Um, so, you know, movement was such a big part of my life. It was just like everything. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was therapy, you know? And so I wanted to provide people with a little bit of that, a little bit of what I, what I, you know, had a taste of. So, how was that experience dancing? Like, what type of dance were you doing? Uh, so I was doing uh, funk styles, so everything from, uh, like, new school hip-hop, like stuff that you see in, you know, uh, on in music videos and, you know, uh, tours to uh, old-school styles of hip-hop from, you know, breaking to uh, popping, locking, uh, a bunch of different, you know, funk styles, as we call it. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, just uh, fully, fully immersed in in that uh, you know that world because uh, hip hop was a huge um, part of my childhood and growing up in inner city Chicago and uh, having having that around me uh, a lot was uh, a huge catalyst to to that to getting into dance. Mm-hmm. So now you mentioned yeah. that dance was like therapy to you. Um, how did that make you feel? I mean, because I know dancers, they go for hours when they're practicing and stuff. I mean, I can't even, I'm an hour and a half of working out and I'm done. Yeah. You know, um, was there like a zone that you would get into? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, my dance is really based a lot in freestyle. Um, so it's not so much like, you know, give me this, you know, eight count and I'll follow that and try to replicate it. Like I've never been that kind of person in general. I don't. I don't really follow authority very well. And even to this day, you know, I mean, it's, it's a big component in who I am as an individual. But, um, so, you know, the element of self-expression and, and, uh, creative expression through emotion, um, is a huge, huge piece to, uh, to my therapy, you know, so no matter what it is that I was feeling and dealing with, uh, cause I, you know, dealt with a lot as a, as a young kid, you know, I had a lot of tough experiences. Uh, and so I used dance as my means of therapy, one of, one of many means of therapy. Um, but to me, there was nothing better than, you know, expressing anger through movement or expressing joy through movement. I mean, you know, there's, you know, it's the, to me, it's the ultimate human expression is to use your body and move your body 
in a way that like says to someone, oh shit, that dude is pissed or, you know, oh wow, that guy is like so ecstatic, you know, like that's like, that's, it's such a, there's nothing else like that to me. Um, and, uh, I mean, it really, it's, I mean, it's part of the reason why I'm at where I'm at and I'm alive, you know, is cause mm-hmm. it's, it's been, it's been such a, it's so sacred to me. Um, so yeah. And then, yeah, once you get in that zone, if like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you start to loosen up and, you know, you get the, you know, the right track on and, and you're really, you know, having something to lay out there in terms of emotion. I mean, it, it can go on and on and on, you know, yeah. and then, you know, then you find like, oh, I, I want to like practice my isolations or my like fast twitch contractions or, you know, my, you know, floor work or my, you know, whatever it might be. It just, it, it can be like this, like en- endless, you know, patterning of movement and uh yeah it's yeah you can get into these three-hour sessions and especially if you start sharing with other you know dancers and movement specialists and you're like oh shit how'd you do that like that's wild you know and then you start you know kind of what they you know say it's like you know ciphering and sharing wisdom and knowledge with each other and and then before you know it it breaks into you know sharing philosophy you know philosophical thoughts and you know the meaning of life i mean dancers dancers are very deep people especially especially funk style like dancers and hip-hop dancers and freestyle dancers there's just there's a lot of it's a lot of like just really deep folks in that world so it's cool can you take me to the moment when you first fell in love with dancing oh man uh first fell in love with it i mean think for me it was uh being at a uh I don't know if it was a bar or a bat mitzvah, but they had hired uh, two dancers, two breakers to come in and, uh, you know, showcase. And I remember seeing them and then just being like in awe, you know, and, and of course being in awe by their movement, but also being uh, very conscientious of the attention that they got from girls. And of course, you know, that was, you know, I, I was, I was one of those young guys that was always, always liked, I wasn't, you know, Oh, you know, girls have cootie. I was just always intrigued by getting attention from women. And, uh, and so I saw both of like how visually impressive and cool what it was that they did. And then of course, you know, the, the attention from women. And so I was just like, yeah, that's, that's that's where it's at. I wanna I wanna learn how to do that. Uh, so yeah, I think that's where it, where it first began. How young were you at that time? I think I was like, I don't know, like twelve or eleven. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty young. Um, so it was, but it, it 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 grabbed me pretty hard. Okay. Yeah. And how did that aid into your um, personal development, um, your growth over time? Yeah, uh, for me, you know, I mean, because a big thing was is, and I, I find that a lot of guys and 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 women in general, people are, actually, people in general, women also, is that there's a huge component with dance of surrendering your ego and like, you know, you have to let go of saving face, you know, because I think that's one thing we deal with, especially in our younger years. It starts to fade a bit as you get older, but. Even then, still not. Is we we all want to look good, you know. We want to like perceive it. Oh, he's a cool guy, or he like he he looks good, or he's got it together, you know. And you really have to like 
basically say, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to look like a fool when I first get started because it wasn't a natural gift for me. I wasn't, I had two left feet when I first started dancing. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like my father had a little bit of rhythm and my mother a little bit too, but they weren't, in, you know, they weren't movement specialists. They weren't artists. They weren't uh, dancers or singers. So uh, it was something I really had to work on. So the culmination of getting outside of my comfort zone and uh, also, you know, uh, being able to be coached and, uh, you know, really working hard. Those were all three big components in my continued development uh, that dance presented to me. It wasn't it wasn't going to be a cakewalk for me. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It was really challenging. Um, so that really kind of spurred this um this you know desire for development and and to you know humility uh which you know ryan talked a lot about in the podcast which was really great um uh and and humbling yourself you know being able to be willing to look like a fool in the beginning uh and that's a really profound thing i think that we can all that we all should uh aim for is to put yourself in as many uncomfortable positions as possible because that's when you learn the most about yourself you know what do you what what are you made of Mm -hmm. you know because comfort doesn't breed evolution no not at all it's only my uh what is it? My mentor calls it, uh, you got to get your PhD, and that's being poor, hungry, and desperate. Yeah, I like you know? that. And uh, I find myself, uh, like, when things get too comfortable, that's when I'm like, okay, something needs to change. I need to start, you know, busting my butt a little bit more. For me, it was running track. I ran track for eight years. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, there were times where if I were really upset about something, I'd put on my shoes, go on a run, and I wanted to hurt more on my run than the pain that I was feeling inside. And, uh, you know, that was kind of my outlet for a while. Yeah. It's like being able to, like, push that all off and go and hit a run hard. Have you seen the effects of dance on your coaching now on how you coach other people? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's like is continuing to, like, verbally guide them through uh, their discomfort. Um, so even though it might not be, like, Oh, I'm in stage on stage in front of thousands of people like discomfort, but it might be like physical discomfort. You know, it's only momentary, right? Everything is momentary. So anytime that you go through something that you're, that is uncomfortable, you know, I coach them, be present with that discomfort, take it in, embody it, enjoy it, love it, get used to it, but also know it's fleeting. And that's not just physically, that's mental, emotional, spiritual discomforts, which has been a huge journey of mine after the kind of, you know, the physical uh, discomfort that I felt, you know, from training and, you know, pushing myself prior to getting into dance. Um, but yeah, dance has really helped me a lot with that is like that understanding is, uh, of the discomfort is, is very fleeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it helps me, yeah, it helps me relay that to them and then, you know, sharing my story, um, with them uh is like oh wow okay well you know if you made it through that if you were on stage performing in front of all these people then i can get through the discomfort of like my quads being burnt out right now you know so yeah it's definitely helped out a lot i mean you seem like you're somebody who is very comfortable in the presence of a lot of people were you always like that is there a moment where where did you come up with this concept of comfort being fleeting 
I think that's so interesting. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I discomfort disleading. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been something that I've taken with me quite a lot um, in terms of, uh, I mean, just just like dealing with, uh, you know a lot of the different things that I dealt with in my life from, you know, dealing with death at a very young age, a lot of it, um, dealing with, um, you know, uh, you know, having learning, learning disabilities and, you know, uh, having a challenge in school, um, to, you know, having, you know, the challenge of having people be better than me when I was playing basketball or, you know, being a better dancer than me or, you know, uh, anything in that realm. And that's all, you know, ties into the, you know, the physical, the mental, emotional, and, uh, and then getting involved deeper into my own like spiritual development and being in like really uncomfortable places and seeing all those different things is that within that discomfort, there was always the light at the end of the tunnel afterwards. There was always the like, ah, the exhale after like, oh, wow, that was like, that was fucking intense. And then at the end, you're just like, oh, wait, here I am on the other side. And then knowing that, it's also knowing that that discomfort is going to come back, whether by choice or not by choice, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, all those things just kind of tied tied in together, and you know, I just have to con- I continue to remind myself of that when I do go through my my tough spells, my you know uncomfortable bouts, is knowing that it'll always it'll always shift, and comfort will come back, and then discomfort will come back, challenges will come, and then ease will come, and it's about you know just kind of buckling up and and you know knowing uh, that that ride is all is all part of the process mm-hmm. you know you don't want to have you know uh suffering and dismay and and challenges all the time and you also don't want to have bliss and joy and uh you know serenity all the time either right it's having the polarities that that make us make us human it's all part of the human experience you know it makes you appreciate things yeah absolutely i mean uh this i don't want to say the struggle i don't like that word um I, the discomfort shapes us. It yeah. makes us who we are. And, you know, it seems like it's made you who you are. You know, Absolutely. whatever it is that you've gone through in the past. Um, I mean, you seem like such a, an authentic, approachable, likable guy. I mean, and that, I think, reflects on the retention that you had at Equinox with your, with your clients. You know, there's a reason why they stuck with you. Because they can they can relate and I think you have a really good um, ability to empathize with other people too Um, so how has I mean as a good segue how has your past shaped you to who you are today yeah um, I mean there's a lot of you know a lot of different things I mean a big part of my past is obviously the influence of both of my parents um, which I I mean that could be a podcast all in itself you know (laughs) not even an episode but a whole podcast Um, you know uh, my mother um, being the uh, sweet and generous caring thoughtful compassionate uh, individual that uh, she she is and uh, you know also the the thirst for for development that she had she kind of you know instilled that uh, into me and the the seeking you know the seeking and the the presence of uh, being aware of self uh, was a huge um, catalyst in my my you know search for uh, continuing my 
development and my evolution and my education. Um, and then my father was the, you know, stern, you know, brick shit house bad motherfucker that he was because <laughs> he was a lieutenant uh in vietnam uh oh, wow. green beret uh search and destroy um and if you know anything about any of those pieces um it's about as bad as a, a bad of a motherfucker as you can get yeah. you know um so you know he taught me a lot of toughness uh he taught me um you know to be grateful taught me to you know realize that there's a silver lining in everything you know as he said you know if i can take away some positives from being in vietnam and seeing what i saw and doing what i had to do then you can take a positive away from anything yeah. uh and he also taught me to you know choose uh people uh well he didn't necessarily teach me this but being uh, his son uh taught me um or you know had me experience to choose someone for all of their imperfections um you know that they're perfect that they're perfect within all their imperfections mm-hmm. because no one is perfect um and uh so i had two very very different parents with different um parenting styles um one of them was very much so there for me and the other one wasn't but was at the same time um so you know they're you know they were a huge catalyst in terms of everything i mean i i I owe both of them everything uh because they introduced me to so many modalities and understandings and ways of being that you know have, have led me to where i'm at gotcha so what are you doing today what am I doing today in terms of my... In terms of uh, training or, like, what are you trying to do to impact those around you? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, for me, it's it's the continued self-development. And, and you can probably attest to this, but a huge part of developing... Uh, our coaching skills is developing our own self-development, is making ourselves the best we can in every area of our life so that we provide as much value to our clients. Um, so I think, you know, a big thing for, for myself is just continued self-awareness and self-development as I've stated probably a million times already. Um, and so that is looking at, uh, all four spectrums. So, uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Um, so physically, you know, pushing myself into those uncomfortable places, just like you did, you know, you do with your, you know, running and, mm-hmm. you know, pushing yourself to that point where you're like, I might die, you know, like, yeah. like that's a powerful place to be in, you know, because we live in such a coddled, comfortable place, like totally. to be on that brink of like, I don't know if I'm going to make it is very empowering. It's scary, but it's empowering. And I think we, every person needs to experience that. So, you know, I try to push myself in, in that way. Um, uh, you know, mentally is just, you know, learning to develop my cognitive skills, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously Ryan talked a lot about that as all these modalities of, of developing, you know, cognitive skill through, um, brain games, uh, to, uh, neurotropics, you know, doing, you know, things, uh, you know, taking supplementation to help develop, uh, you know, your cognitive function, 
Uh, and then, of course, you know, a big thing as well is, is um, you know, emotional and spiritual intelligence is another really huge component. Um, and uh, one of my big practices, uh, though, you know, uh, some people may still find a little bit taboo. Um, I'm a big advocate of plant medicine. Um, so things like ayahuasca, uh, uh, washuma, uh, San Pedro, um, uh, psilocybin, you know, all these, uh, you know, plant and uh uh, fungi, um, you know, they're all teachers, you know, they're, they're very unique things that have been kind of deemed as, uh, drugs, you know, and, uh, been deemed as, you know, these bad psychedelics, you know, when there's been so many studies that have happened over the last, you know, 10 to 30, 40 years about the healing benefits of these tools. And so they're a big component of, uh, of my emotional and spiritual development. And I've had a lot of huge breakthroughs, um, in places, uh, that I've, uh, you know, had suffering in, um, and, and all my clients know about, you know, about these, these practices that I have, you know, once again, that falls back into my authenticity and my, um, you know, vulnerability is, you know, expressing these things. So, you know, I use all these tools of movements, uh, dance, plant medicine, um, you know, brain games, nutrition as, um, developing myself so that I can then relay what I've learned from these tools to then bring to my clientele and have them say, oh, like I never even like knew about, never even heard of this modality or this practice or never even heard of like, what is ayahuasca, you know? And, you know, so people, they become intrigued, right? And it starts to like, you know, you know, uh, you know, pique their curiosity, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, you know, what I, what I do and what I implement, now, I know we have a, a mutual friend. You know, we mentioned Ryan Glatt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you and Ryan connect at first? Uh, so we connected through the Institute of Motion, which he spoke about, um, and I won't you know, go too deep into uh, on his podcast. Uh, but Ryan and I met there, and uh, it's funny because he was, and I, I think I had this communication with him. Uh, we met at level two, and I remember he was, you know, Mr. Chatty and, you know, kind of like interjecting his, you know, uh, his thoughts on certain things. And, you know, whereas like, you know, I'm the kind of guy I'm like, I'm going to sit back and listen and observe. And so, of course, my judgment comes up about this guy. And I'm like, this guy just needs to shut up. You know, (laughs) even though I knew what he was saying was insightful and like, you know, he was a sharp dude. Oftentimes that, you know, being very, you know, um, book smart and, you know, uh, intellectually smart as he is, you know, he feels like he has a lot to say, which you know, which is fantastic. You know, for me, I'm more of a, I like watch and I see and I observe. Um, and so I had this kind of thing with him initially. I was just like, yeah, uh, I don't know if that dude rubs me the right way. Uh, but then after doing more work, you know, continuous work on myself, right. We came back, met at level three and I, you know, was like, Hey man, like you're doing some really good stuff. You know, I really appreciate your approach and, you know, thank you for sharing, you know, what you had to share. And so then we started to, you know, cultivate and I sat in on the meeting that he had with Michelle and Bobby and the other, uh, you know, brain brains of, uh, Institute of motion as he spoke about his, uh, four Q model with, uh, you know, cognitive and, uh, mindset and behavior. Uh, and I was just like, awesome. Let's build, man. Let's, let's let's start cultivating and obviously knowing that he was in los angeles it was a it was a no-brainer yeah now he can uh he can be that way a little bit Uh sorry ryan but yeah we love you man it's all good yeah it's all good yeah it's 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 not a bad it makes you who you are we appreciate you for it (laughs) what was your experience like uh 
going through level three, the level three mentorship at Institute of Motion? Uh, it was amazing. I mean, I felt like I was, you know, part of this, you know, super unique grouping of people. You know, it was the first one. Uh, it was still an intimate group of like 45. Um, yeah, and it was like everything that level one, level one and two brought to the table. It was just like just built upon even more so with level three. Um, and, you know, the whole thing that Ryan spoke about in this, you know, I won't go too deep into it, but this 20x and 20 times uh, mentality of like, you know, you are as only as great as your 20 people that you surround yourself with. And you have this this crew of of people that you can build off of and which is a very important component uh, with the theme and the idea of community and how important community is. So that was like one of the big takeaways I had from uh, IOM3 um, and, and just everyone involved in Institute of Motion, especially that came to level three. I mean, everyone is an absolute beast. You know, everyone is like doing what they're doing in the fitness and health industry at a high level. No one's just like, oh, I'm just kind of like, you know, doing a little bit of training here and there. Like they're trying to change the world. You know, people are really up to big things. Uh, and that was, you know, really inspiring to be around. So what are some big things that you're up to right now, Sevi? Um, you know, right now it's, you know, continuing to develop my one-on-one uh, -on -one business and, and developing it and trying to work it uh, into more of developing a community by doing more kind of shifting away from the one-on-one -on -one and doing semi-private. So getting people into groups, so to kind of have that community uh, environment and elements. Uh, and then, of course, is uh, developing my online training business. Um, so that I can reach a broader uh, range of people, you know, from, you know, back home in Chicago to people in New Zealand, you know, Asia, Africa, you know, wherever, anyone that is interested in health and wellness coaching. Uh, so just having a, a broader reach. Uh, and then with that developing, you know, the whole social media thing. So mm -hmm. once again, trying to affect more and more people. Um, and then also working on a big uh uh, project with uh, two friends of mine. Uh, it's a uh, docu series that's a deep uh, dive down the rabbit hole of the fitness and health industry and looking at it from a 360 degree approach uh, outside of just exercise and nutrition, but mindset, behavioral coaching, regeneratory strategies, um, you know, spiritual and emotional growth and development. Um, so, really looking at it from uh, a, a much broader perspective. Uh, spectrum than than kind of the the typical fitness and health uh idea so uh so yeah those are the the big things that i'm focusing on right now is just trying to affect more people than than i have in the past so just having a, a a wider reach very cool now that docuseries sounds interesting uh what role are you playing in that with them? Um, so uh, obviously as, you know, one of the um, executive producers and then um, being one of the hosts of the show as well. So it's a uh, it's it's coming along um, into, you know, being, uh, you know, so, you know, my part is just to, you know, play into, um, you know, taking people on the journey, you know, people that tune in, you know, uh, taking them on the journey of this of this project. Um, so it's still it's still very in the baby stages right now. So I'm not diving too much deep into you know what are all the little bits and pieces of it. As you know, I want people to you know have a little bit of a, a taste uh, by hearing this. But you know, just kind of slowly, gradually giving people more and more as the project develops. But uh, essentially, I'll be the behind the scenes and also uh, one of the faces of the of the series as well. Very cool. In this process, has there been anything that's kind of caught your attention? Like, whoa, that's cool. Um, you know. 
nothing new as of yet. I mean, there are people that uh, I've been suggested to reach out to through my circle of uh, fitness and health practitioners. Um, but a lot of the stuff is things that I myself have uh, discovered through my own, you know, practice and learning how to develop myself, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, shamans to, you know, people that do, you know, different kinds of breath work to, um, you know, people that do sound healing, you know, things that are more so outside of the exercise movement and nutritional realm, you know, all these other realms that aren't as... Um, uh, kind of well known uh, as the the movement and the nutrition. Uh, so yeah, so that was you know that's that's been some of the kind of fresh new stuff that I've discovered. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. Let's see. Want to kind of do a couple, you know, rapid fire questions of sorts to yeah. uh, finish this up. Absolutely. Let's see. If. The old you could see the new you. What would the new you say to your younger self? Um, you know, just go for it. That's the big thing, you know, because I had a lot of tentativeness when I was younger because of things that I experienced that, you know, either had me, you know, say to myself, you know, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, um, you know, that, that bullshit that we conjure up due to certain traumas that we deal with on whatever the magnitude of them, you know, whatever the magnitude of the traumas are. Uh, but just, yeah, really trying to, like, look past all of that stuff and, like, go for whatever it is that, you know, that pulls your heart and really, like, gets you excited about life and that, you know, pique your interest. And, you know, lucky enough, I figured that at a young age, but, you know, it would be great to, you know, have, you know, have that even earlier, you know, as, as, as soon as possible. Um, but uh, that's, that's one of the big things that stands out. Um, and also, you know, you're doing a good job. You know, you're doing a good job. I think that's one thing we need to really remind ourselves um, because we are our own harshest critics, right? You know, and, and it's easy for us to get wrapped up in like what's not going for us, what's not right, what could be better, you know? Because at the end of the day, you're always going to want, it's always going to be the next thing. What's, you know, the next, you know, new addition of the car or, you know, can I find a relationship that's even more, you know, satisfying or a you know, something that's even more bigger than what I'm doing right now. And that never ends. So it's just being really present to the process. Um, so a good pat on the cell, on the back, you're doing a good job and, uh, just go for it. Do you think, uh, if your old self looked at you right now, you'd be pretty proud of where you are? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I think, uh, a big thing with that is, is, you know, just looking back, um, you know, thinking about my father, um, you know, which I didn't share. My father passed away a few years ago and just uh, thinking about, you know, would my dad be proud of me? You know, because, you know, that was a, a huge, a huge piece is always, you know, seeking his approval and, uh, you know, and, you know, wanting him to be proud of me. And, and I know that I know that he would be. You know, I know that he would be. And it's not even so much about the things that I've accomplished in terms of my career or things of that nature, but who I am as an individual, who I carry my, the man that I carry myself as uh, to this day and, and the days moving forward. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, 
Yeah, I think that answers the question. <laughs> um, no, before we finish, I just remembered I wanted to ask you something really quickly. Um, you experimented a little bit with uh, herbal remedies, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, how have those things helped you? What is it that they gave you? Oh, <laughs> Um, to keep this as concise as possible, um, I mean, there's there's so much. Um, you know, I went and I sought out, or I should more say, more so say, uh, Mother Ayahuasca, as they call ayahuasca, um, the uh, traditional uh, tribal practice of um, of the use of this plant medicine. Uh, you know, it, it sought me out um, and came to me, and the reason why. Uh, I went down this path uh, was due to the passing of my father and dealing with a lot of other um, very heavy-duty traumas uh, that I faced and knowing that I needed some, some spiritual healing and emotional healing. Um, and it, it, it provided exactly what it was supposed to. Um, and one of the big things was... Um, dealing with the concept and the idea of death um, because our mortality is something that we will all eventually face. We will not live forever. I don't care, you know, what you believe. It's th this, this paradigm in which we live in will cease to exist at some point. And as we get older, we face that mortality sooner and sooner. I think that the quicker we get a taste of it, the better we are. And having my experience with ayahuasca showed me that I was, I actually had an out of body experience where I, uh, witnessed and emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically witnessed my own death. And that was in a large part to do with having dealt with my father's passing and having a lot of suffering around that. Uh, and what I got out of that experience without diving too deep, uh, which could be a whole other episode of a podcast, um, is my lack of fear in the face of death. You know? Not to say that I'm ready to die, but if I die tomorrow, I know that I won't have any fear because I've lived my life the way that I wanted to. I've done the things that I've wanted to. doesn't mean that I still don't have more that I want to accomplish and experience, but I know when my time comes that there will be no fear. You know, I will, you know, I'll, you know, move to a, a paradigm and a dimension and a place that can't be explained unless you have the experience for yourself. Um, and so it was a whole, it was basically a reset button for me in terms of clearing out a lot of this, this baggage and this pain and this suffering. Um, and that's what these, that's what these, they plant medicine, plant teachers, you know, whatever, however you want to turn it. That's one of the things that they provide is they, they, especially ayahuasca, you face exactly what it is that you need to face, whether you want to or not. Um, and, uh, it's a really, it's a really important tool, you know, and not to say that's the only tool. There are many methods of, of spiritual and emotional healing. Um, but it is one where you can't hide from. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, it's, it's been an unbelievable practice for me, and it will continue to be so. It's a, a tool that I will continuously use um, to help guide me. That's interesting. I'm pretty sure uh, Tim Ferriss has shared that same experience in uh, his book, Tools of Titans. Yeah. That it gives you just what you... Just, it doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what you need. Absolutely. Well, that's interesting stuff, man. Any final things that you want to say, maybe to clients future clients or just anybody listening to the podcast? Um, yeah, you know, I'd say that, you know, um, really uh, don't be afraid to go to those uncomfortable places. Really seek as deep as you can within yourself. Spend spend time alone. Spend time being uncomfortable. Spend time developing self-awareness and really getting a good understanding of your identity and what's important to you in life. You know, don't be caught up in what, you know, society tells you and, uh, you know, what things are deemed as, like, successful or beautiful or this because it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. You know, you really need to, you know, look deep inside your heart and say, you know, what is it that's going to really, really make me feel good? Don't chase after the money. Don't chase after the monetary things. Chase after experiences, moments. Chase after love, you know, peace, serenity, you know, find all those things that that really bring joy in your life. Um, that's That's the most important thing because all that other stuff it's fleeting. It's very fleeting. And life is very fleeting. So go draw into the things that bring you presence in, in who you are and in who you want to be. Um, I think that's, that's important. You know, be vulnerable. Be fully self-expressed. Don't hold anything back. You know, tell people that you've never told before that you, that you really truly love. Tell them you love them. You know, tell them, acknowledge them. You know, to, you know vulnerability and acknowledgement are so, so underappreciated. You know, it's so important. You know, especially speaking to, to all the, the men out there and guys out there that are listening to this. You know, it doesn't make you any less of a man to cry and to self-express and talk about your feelings and emotions. That's a bunch of fucking bullshit. This is coming from my father, who was a lieutenant, who, you know, was one of the most tough, unemotional human beings. You know, he spoke to me and he said to me, one of the most beautiful things about you is your sensitivity and your, you know, your emotion you know it's 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 something that i wish i had and it's crushed me that i could never tap into that and so i've always lived my life you know being fully self-expressed and being in touch with my emotions and being able to communicate some of the hardest shit that would innately be something that i would want to hold into because it's what society tells me a man should do um so so step away from that idea that ideology and and really allow yourself to to, to be to be that and be okay with all of that. Awesome, man. That's great. Um, Sevi, where can people find you? Where are you located? Yeah, uh, so people can find me uh, physically uh, at uh, Mother's Beach in Marina Del Rey, uh, Culver West Park in Culver City, uh, both on the west side of Los Angeles. Uh, they can also find me um, at Evokai, E-V-O-K-I, health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. Evokai Fitness and Health is the name of my business. Uh, you can also find me uh, at Evokai Health um, on Instagram as well, uh, Evokai Fitness and Health on Facebook as well. Uh, those are all my tags there, so you can find me on the social media there and then here in West L.A. 
Awesome, man. Well, thank you for being on this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Cameron, thank you very much, man. Really appreciate you, brother. That's it for this episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast, everyone. I want to give Sevi a special thanks for being with us in the show today. If you like this episode, please like, share, leave a comment on iTunes, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Principles of Fitness.